last week on Sportsmanlike Conduct. The Wolverines started slow, but they were able to come back and get some things out of Shea Patterson and a game-winning drive. Talk about that. CMU falls to Michigan State. Michigan State continuing to look on the up since their loss to Arizona State. And we'll also talk about the Tigers' month of September and what it might mean for going into next year and look at the MLB playoff series that just opened up a little bit. All that and more on an action-packed week of Unsportsmanlike Conduct. And welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andrew McDonald, and across from me here on this late night at Moore Hall, I mean, we are here at 10 o'clock. Honestly, I don't think I've ever recorded a podcast this late here. <laughs> this is Evan Petzl straight across from me, who he's tired as well. Evan, how are we doing? Good. I'm pretty tired. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even really know what to say. Just kind of a little bit of laughter about the fact that, yeah, I'm pretty much out of gas right now, but <laughs> the show must go on, they say. That is what they say these days. The show must go on. And honestly, in this industry, you might as well get used to this life if you're going to work in it. So we are here late and we are ready to talk some sports. So. We'll start off with the team out of Ann Arbor in the state. Uh, the Wolverines, I mean, it was it was hard to watch the start, and it was just surprising. I mean, they've they've blown these teams out the past couple of weeks that were teams they shouldn't have, you know, they should have beat. And Northwestern's one and two. They haven't been good this year. But Pat's Fitzgerald just always seems to have teams that play Michigan tough no matter what. And, I mean, maybe that's just a correspondence of how Michigan's been over the past few years or whatever it is. But they score 17 points throughout the gate. It's 17-0. to zero, And this is a game where – you know, in the past, Michigan probably doesn't come back and win this game. That's already enough to be able to put them out of it. And instead, obviously, they scored 20 unanswered points. And it, it did take them a long time to get back, which is the one thing that's a little concerning. You know, Shea Patterson still didn't have a touchdown pass, but what he did on that last drive to be able to get Michigan on the field and make some of those passes that he made that were really tough. I mean, especially the one to Zach Gentry that got him right down by the goal line. That that pass was right by that guy's hand before it would have been, you know, tipped and incomplete. It even could have been an interception. Um, but instead, they were able to get get that pass through. And, you know, Karan Higdon, he played a great game, 30 carries, 115 yards, two touchdowns. Definitely a huge part of them coming back. We talked about getting more guys involved in the passing game. Nico Collins, six receptions, 73 yards. You saw a lot come together for Michigan still as this game went along. And sure, you can't go down by this much against Michigan State or Ohio State in the road or you won't win. But I, I think what you saw to Shea Patterson in the last drive is very encouraging. And I think that it gives him a lot of confidence moving forward. Evan, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I think that's true. It does give him confidence. He said after the game that, you know, there is still like a sour taste in his mouth from losing to Notre Dame. And I think that's kind of, you know, where he's at right now. Shea Patterson is just trying to to get back to that. You know, Notre Dame's 5-0. and They're a team that, you know, they, they just beat Stanford. And they have Virginia Tech coming up. And after that, I mean, it's it's basically just a, a cakewalk to a undefeated, you know, undefeated season. You, you take down... Virginia Tech and you know the only teams that you have left that are tough is is USC at the very end of the year because that's more of a rivalry type game for them so you got two games left that you really you know know that might be you know tougher games to win Notre Dame is they're gonna go far (laughs) but that's my thing though I I think there's that sour taste in Shea Patterson's mouth and he said that after um, you know their most recent win over Northwestern and I think that's his goal is to get back and play Notre Dame again I think in the back of his mind he wants to play them again um, you know, at, at some point, which would have to be in the college football playoffs oh, if they played them, because you know that you know Notre Dame's going to get a bit if they go undefeated. Oh, absolutely. So that that's what you know, Shea Patterson. I think that's what he's thinking is, hey, I, I want to play these guys one more time, and I want everybody to know that I have this sour taste in my mouth, and now I'm getting my team back there. And I think this is a classic example of Shea Patterson doing what Shea Patterson does. 
you know, he'll have his big games, but then like every quarterback does, there's always going to be games where things aren't clicking and you got to really just dig deep and you got to, you know, kind of find that something extra inside of you and win the game. That's what Shea Patterson did. And I think in the past, you look at, at Michigan quarterbacks of, uh, of before, I mean, you want to talk, you know, yeah, Jake Rudock did it a little bit, not, not in this way though, that not in a way that made you feel super confident about him. It was more of, you know, a team effort. This game just felt like yeah, Shea Patterson team. made throws. Definitely. Oh, he won the last drive for him. So You're basically, you know, point. you know, when push comes to shove, you know, Jake Rudock doesn't do that. You know, Will and Spain does not win that football game. I don't think Devin Gardner wins that football game. <laughs> Denard Robinson don't really think he wins that game either. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, they were playmakers and stuff like that, but they, I just don't think they. It was the first had all the intangibles. They don't have. They didn't have the intangibles that Shea Patterson has to make those kind of plays and to to do the damage that he was able to do late in that game to to carry the team down the field and even score a touchdown. But you know, he had this poise and this leadership and. Something special that that third and six scramble to get special. a first down. I think that that showed a lot. Yeah, just in one play, uh, to be able to get that first down that third and six. But he was resilient. Yeah, he did. He didn't care. Like he was like, I'm gonna go out and get my team this win. He's like, I'm not gonna be that. I'm not gonna be that guy. He doesn't want. He doesn't want Michigan to be that team anymore. That loses a, a trap game or a, a dumb game they're not supposed to lose. And so who was the last quarterback to do that then for Michigan? <sighs> 17 point. I mean, when you actually think about like actually Michigan is making comebacks, I think all the way back to Chad Henney. Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, when you think about Michigan, you know, coming back all the time to get wins I mean, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Every quarterback the, has a comeback or two in his career. Don't get me wrong. But like a way that made you feel this good about it. Mm-hmm. I feel, I feel really good about. Michigan's comeback from a from a viewer watching from the outside looking in as a as a fan of college football and someone that enjoys the game and likes to analyze it and, and pick it apart. I I looked at Michigan's win as a very strong close win as about as strong of a close win as you could get. It, it gave me a lot of confidence for this team. I think it's definitely got mixed feelings. Some people are giving them the more you know the down feel like oh you know they're just falling behind to teams like that and and you definitely can't play this in the road, but. I also think it's the first 17-point comeback on the road ever under Jim Harbaugh. That also says something. So when you can do that, I, I definitely think it, it, it says a lot. Um, but I do agree. I do agree with some people. I don't. Michigan can't keep falling behind like this on the road. You know, early in games, and 17 to zero. It's just like if you want to beat teams like Michigan State that are very good and not gonna, you know, let's let up at the end of the game like Northwestern might have, or, an, or definitely not Ohio State with the way they ended the game the other night. Those are teams that are not going to, you know, let Michigan back into games and give them easy wins if they fall behind by this much. So one thing I think this team does need to do is figure out how to, you know, start out better out of the gate and not just fold up on the road like they have it sometimes. But I'm in full and complete agreement that the one positive, I think there's two definite positives you take out of this game. Shea Patterson, the overall passing game of this offense and the way that they were able to handle themselves under pressure. And Karan Higdon came back and really played a strong game and has looked like the guy that you were thinking you were going to get from Michigan all year. I mean, just just carried the load, ran over Northwestern, and, and really helped them get back in this game and control some tempo. So those are definite things. You know, their defense, you know, came out last week and said our goal for the rest of the year is to not give up more than 17 points um, in a game. And it kind of looked like they were definitely going to do that, and it said they just shut them down the rest of the game. Um, and Don Brown's definitely got that defense in the right place, being ranked um, up in the top of the country. So Michigan looking pretty good. They'll take on Maryland next week. Um, another game that I expect Michigan to win. Evan, do you expect any different? It's a win. It's a Put win. Put in the books. We'll see how it goes. Um, but moving on to the other team in the state, actually two teams in the state here, CMU and MSU. Uh, Michigan State gets the win as expected, but it 
the score looks close um, on paper, 31 to 20, but really Michigan State did control this game for a while. Uh, you know, they were up 31 to 3 at one point, and I think when anytime you're up 31 to 3, it kind of just says the whole story of the game. CMU scored 17 points that were unanswered in the fourth quarter, which sure it's positive for them, but um, not really what you wanted to see. You want to see the opposite of that, not the fourth quarter getting 17 points. You want to see the first quarter getting 17 points and coming out of the game and starting strong, and CMU couldn't do that. Um, Michigan State. They did exactly what you're looking for if you're a Michigan State fan. They handled the team they were supposed to beat. Um, and, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of negativeness at the end, but really a trick play, got a touchdown on them and an onside kick and stuff like that. Those are things that when you're up 31-3, to sometimes you don't defend it as well. And CMU took advantage of it. You know, good for them. But end of the day, still a good game. I, You know, Brian Lewerke, not the best. Line, I mean, a good overall line, I guess, 16-25 uh, for 185 yards, but no touchdowns and interception. Still kind of want to see more out of him. Um, but, you know, for what what they had on, on the field, they kind of really better on the running game with Ladarius Jefferson um, and Connor Hayward. They were able to get 56 yards, 48 com- yards combined. Uh, Bradley Lewerke ran for uh, 39 himself, overall 160 yards on the ground for the Spartans. They were moving the ball well there. Um, and Felton Davis really, you know, came live this week, three catches, 66 yards. Um, looked like he was, you know, one of the top guys again for them. So, Michigan State is kind of where they're at right now, um, and, they're, and they're playing better football since you know they had this the loss at ASU, which was pretty bad. Uh, kind of a little bit of a scare last week at Indiana when they were only up by a little bit, but then were able to come back. But now they got Northwestern last week, who you know Mark D'Antonio today came out and said that's they're a good team. They're always better than the record indicates. They're someone that's going to give you a fight. Um, and then they got Penn State and Michigan right after that. So it's really three, in my opinion, pretty tough weeks for Michigan State. I don't think any of those games are easy. Um, and definitely not Penn State or Michigan. But, I know you're. Well, I know you're a big, you know, college football fan, and, and you you know a lot about the game, and you know you you played a little bit of football back in your day. Oh uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, yeah. What did you play? Good old QB, toss that toss that ball around. No, I was not a quarterback. I know you weren't. <laughs> I ran the football. I'm but. I'm messing with you, Andy. <laughs> but you know, you knowing the game on, on maybe a little bit of a deeper level than I do, as someone who just watched it, you actually played it, you understand what practices are like, you understand playbooks, and you understand... To a high school level, sure. Yeah, but you understand why things happen, you know, you get it, you add your high school knowledge from... My glory days. Well, you, you, add, you add that knowledge to the knowledge that you have of just watching the game, understanding, all that kind of stuff, and you put it together, and you know, you, you know a good amount about football, so what team are you more concerned about in the state of Michigan, that's not a Mac school, um, you know. So yeah, basically between Michigan and Michigan State, yeah. Who are you more concerned about at this point? You know, looking at at what each team has gone through so far this year. Oh, I would definitely say Michigan State, which is not what I would have said to start the that's year. Weird, because you said yeah, you picked them to win the not Big what Ten. I like it to was, start the year. Yeah, um, definitely completely different. But really, when you look at their final scores, like it's kind of hard just not to. I mean, when you start out the way they did, I mean. I know the beginning of the year is always skewed. Like, you know, you're not the best team you are as you are later in the season. You know, I, I can say that right now, but it's not going to matter again in three weeks. Like, it's all going to change. These teams are about to go through the toughest stretches of their schedule, both of them. Um, you know, not not only with Michigan State with having to take on um, Penn State and the and Northwestern and then uh, the Wolverines, obviously. Uh, Michigan themselves, I mean, they're going to have people coming up too right after Maryland. Here they got Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State. I mean, that that's death row. So, really, it is. I mean, those are three teams that are going to be very tough to play against, and it's teams that Jim Harbaugh has not had success in. So, it's all out there, and it's really hard for me to say that I'm more concerned about Michigan State because of Mark D'Antonio's past. It's hard to not let past things get in your head. 
But at the end of the day, when you just look at the way the two teams have played actually on the field, yeah, Michigan had a little bit of a scare, but it was a road game. That is my one big thing about Michigan. I Right now, no confidence that team can beat a good team on the road. Michigan State, though, they lost to a team in Arizona State who wasn't ranked early in the year. They, they struggled with Utah State to open the season. They struggled with Indiana. They, they struggled with CMU. Let's be honest. They did, they did let them back in the game. So it's 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 I think it's a thing with closing out with them, and they're gonna play some of these good teams. I don't think either one of these teams go undefeated through the stretch, but if I had to pick one to go undefeated through it, I would give it to Michigan because they have two home games and the one road game. They the get Northwestern at home. Michigan State does, and they need to take them to Pound Town. All right, like they they need to annihilate them. <laughs> they need to show something. They got to put themselves back on on the map, and the map switches really quickly. You know, beginning of the year coming in. The hype was around Shea Patterson, but everyone said, yeah, but this Michigan State team, they they still got something special. Now, times have, you know, the, the, the tide has flipped, right? Flipped over to Michigan. Now everyone's talking about Michigan. They need to get, you know, people talking about them. They need to become more relevant. It switches so quickly between these two in-state schools. Whatever team is playing well that week or, or over the course of, you know, two, three weeks, they're the hot commodity. They're the team that everyone wants to talk about. So, you you really if you're Michigan State you got to get back on that map. Not that they're far off from it, but it almost seems like maybe they ventured down a little bit of a a path that you don't want to wander down. While Michigan's still taking the highway, that's yeah. how it seems. And so you got to get back on that highway, and you got to start running with Michigan. You know, highway on highway, take it right to the autobahn, man. You you go crazy, <laughs> and let's see who goes faster and and gets there. But yeah, Michigan Michigan State with Northwestern, and then and then. You know Penn State, Michigan. Then they got you know two Kate games against Purdue and and uh, in Maryland. Then they play Ohio State at home, and then it's Nebraska Rutgers, which expected to be back to back wins to end the season, which is going to be nice for them. It's because you know they end the season with you know two clear back to back wins. I mean those are games that they're not going to lose. I mean unless yeah. they really flub. But yeah, Michigan. I mean you got to look at what they have, and, and yeah you have you have Maryland, but then you have Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State. Rutgers would be a win. Indiana, yeah, that that game you can't sleep on. Indiana, no, I never and then you got Ohio State. So Michigan's schedule going down, you know, the end of this season is, is going to be tougher. But you know, the Spartans they got the easier schedule. But right now they're the ones that are off track. And I mean, hey, Maryland's still three and one too. So everybody yeah. wants to talk about. Them. I, I know they've had a lot of problems with coaches, but three and one. If I mean, it's a better record team than what they almost lost to last week. So. I mean, I'll give it to him. That that win over Texas was interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'll it's give not, them respect there. To me, it's something you can't sleep on if you're Michigan. And you, I mean, how can't you look ahead? I mean, the rest of their season that's in front of them, and and you know, Shea Patterson's chance of redemption, all that stuff, it's all right in front of them. But they got to get past this team first. They can't forget a noon start. I don't know, man. I, yeah. I've, I've seen things happen to Michigan in the past that it does make it hard to believe. Sometimes they're not gonna overlook things. So we'll, we'll see what they're able to do. Um, but you know, Michigan State as well. I mean, both teams. They they got their chances to prove who they really are, and we're gonna see what happens. Uh, one team that kind of was what they we thought they were gonna be all year was the Detroit Tigers. Um, finished their finished their season um, here recently in the, the month of September, and you know one that I think wasn't all negative. I don't I don't think that Detroit played their worst baseball. You know, yeah, sure they lost five games end of the season. I, I get it. You know they lost their last. You know, six or was that six of seven to nine mm-hmm. games? Yeah, okay, they lost a lot of games. But the one thing that you saw, you know, some of these guys was you saw some good pitching and stuff like that. You know, a, a Reininger comes out and get a win, a win for you know the Tigers, a guy who just out of nowhere gets wins. Stuff like that is what they just didn't really have. Uh, you know, like 
you know, I can't even say his last name, Alencontra or Alencontara. These guys, Alcantara? They, yeah, they, they pulled up to play on their, their 40-man roster. Some of these guys actually show that they have skill to play at this level. I mean, Christian Stewart, he had a, I mean, a decent month end of the year. He, he didn't play that bad, and he's kind of a guy that, you know, the Tigers have had in their system for forever. You, you look at those kind of things, and I think that the Tigers didn't have the worst month end of the year if you take away the wins and losses and actually look at what they had. Next year, I think this team needs to just absolutely blow out anything that they have on this roster that isn't worth actually keeping or playing, that isn't going to help them in their future, and they need to let some of these young guys that were playing in September just stay on that field. Yeah. Are I you mean, with me on that? Yeah. I mean, you, you got to – I don't know. I mean, do you think that they should have called some of those guys up earlier? Yes. Like, I mean, do you really think that? Like, really think they should have been brought up earlier? Because, like, when I look at it, like, I, I think why not from that standpoint? Like, why not? Yeah, what, is, what does it hurt, Andy? What, what does like, it hurt? It's it's like, who are you really going to beat, or what are you going to prove if you're winning games? I mean, if you can get any wins for younger players, that's going to give them more confidence. I think that that's what matters more to me is them being able to do that kind of stuff. And, you know, you look at guys in the roster right now, I mean, in their pitching staff, it's like, yeah, okay, Joe Jimenez, sure, he'll still be there over the next couple of years. You want to keep a guy like him. But guys like, yeah, and maybe Shane Green, keep him around, I guess. I don't know. But Jordan Zimmerman. What's he going to do for this team moving forward? Nothing. He's a wash-up. You don't want him anymore. He didn't prove anything when he came back from injury. Francisco. Got, Francisco Liriano. He was a piece to just get him through a season. Get him out. It's not worth what keeping these Daniel guys Norris? anymore. Is it even worth it for him? Throw him in the bullpen, if anything. He needs to get out of the starting rotation. I can tell you that because he's just he's injury-prone. He's not going to be good there. Get rid of him. It, it's just, to me, it's stupid to keep playing these guys. I mean, the one guy that's like in the rotation all year that should probably stay there, Matt Boyd. Matt Boyd did a pretty good yeah. season with a with a rough team. I mean, we're talking a rough the team that wasn't going to get wins. Mm-hmm. You know, he was able to actually produce um, for the Tigers this year at a decent um, rate. You know, overall uh, this season, uh, shoot, my record is falling away on me there. But I mean, he pitched in 31 games, and you know, he was able to find some wins and do some. I mean, nine and 13 on a team like this, that's not that's not the worst. I mean, it's not terrible in a 4.39 ERA with. Not the greatest defense behind you. I don't know. It's, it's progress for guys who's only been in the league for a couple of years. I like Matt Boyd. I want them to keep him. But other than that, this rotation needs to repiece itself. Why do you go out and draft all these guys they are not going to start getting playing time? Or trade for them? I mean, I don't know. It, it's I look at it from the from the aspect of, you know, yeah, why do you get them and, and draft them and, and do that and trade for them if you're not going to play them? I get that aspect, but also, like, I mean, I don't know how much people look into it, but you got to think about, you know, coming from this, the angle of why do it's, it's almost like this, Andy, when you see a guy that comes into the league, whether it's NBA, um, you know, NFL, you know, college football, a new guy kind of emerges, especially baseball, though, when new guys come up, what do you do? You don't you don't know them. You don't know their film. You don't have their stuff. Um, you know, you only can see so much from what they do in the minors. So. Maybe is this a way to try to protect them and say, hey, like let's bring these guys up to start the season. Nobody's gonna like have a ton on them, and hopefully they can kind of get us rolling. Because you know, yeah. you know that is when guys come up and they just absolutely dominate. Why yeah. do you want that at the end of this season when you can get that at the start of next season? I yeah, mean, for sure. That's, just, that's just a guess. I'm I don't know if that's the case. I think but. I think Michael Fulmer is your perfect example of why you don't want to bring someone up and blow his arm out for no reason. I'm not gonna say they should do that because I mean, look what happened to Fulmer, man. He's battling injuries. He didn't have a good season this year, and it's definitely a question mark going forward. I mean, yeah, he's mm-hmm. definitely someone that I didn't mention, but he does still need to be in the starting rotation. They need to try to keep him there, obviously. But if he doesn't start pitching better than he 
did this year. I mean, it wasn't a good season for the guy. That's a problem. You got guys like Matt Manning, who pitched, you know, for the Whitecaps all year, got moved up. You know, even position players like Cody Clemens, stuff like that. Those kind of guys looked good. They need to at least have keep getting progress through the system and maybe make their way up to a team like Toledo next year. That's what you want to see out of the, out of the Tigers and, you know, maybe get some action towards the end of the season. If Tigers rookies like that can even see the field by next season, in September even, that's how you know that they're going in the right direction with this rebuild. If they're just going to have yeah. a bunch of wash-ups still playing for them at the end of the next year, and, I mean, sure, okay, Victor Martinez, yeah, he retired and everything. Good for him. Glad that he got to play the rest of the season. But guys like Jordan Zimmerman that are just on contracts and the Tigers are playing because they're paying him so much. It's like a waste. Almost. It is. It's just a humongous waste. Like, you know, take them out. Don't 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 keep doing that. So, no, I, I think overall that they need to just go with their younger guys. Nevertheless, before last year, I just want to bring this up. At the end of last year, we were talking about the 2003 Detroit Tigers, um, and they went 43-119. and 119. It's the worst record um, still to the, this day in, in modern baseball. The Tigers this season... Um, they've, they kept themselves afloat and they finished 64 and 98. So they didn't finish that bad. Like we said, they had a chance to do, um, I guess just overall was this season good, bad in the middle. Where are you at with it? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's up in the air. I mean, yeah, it's more positive than I think a lot of people saw coming into the season, which is, which is really good. I mean, that's, that's great. You Mm -hmm. know, no, no doubt, but I think there's always going to be room for improvement in a season like this. And I think that. You didn't see as much of the improvement as you wanted to. You wanted to see Miguel Cabrera get back to who Miguel Cabrera is. You, yeah, you wanted to see, you know, a, a pitcher like Daniel Norris, you know, really emerge. You wanted to see Fulmer have another, you know, outstanding year. And injuries. You didn't see those things, and so I think yes, in one sense, it was better than you expected because they started off pretty good, and, and Cleveland also started off, you know, r- really poor, and they really struggled and, and couldn't get things going. So from that aspect, yeah, things were all right, but. In the grand scheme of things, like you didn't really see what you wanted to see out of this team. I think that was the most frustrating part of it. That that was rough. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. And, you know, it definitely was a more positive season in my eyes than anything else. I don't even think it was middling. I think it was positive. They made a lot of things. They they had some players show up that shouldn't have, like a Nico Collin or uh, Nico Goodrum. He's a guy that, you know, can maybe be good for them in the future on the bench and stuff like that. Like I said, some things that Matt Boyd I saw I liked a little bit. Joe Jimenez making his first All Star game. They had some things that were good. You want to see more, but this, out of the, all the rebuild years, this was supposed to be their worst year. And the fact this team was able to piece together 64 wins, I think, you know, I think I think it says a little bit. I think it says that maybe this team is in the right direction moving forward. And you want to know the top thing that I like this year? Ron Gardner. I think that he had these guys playing the right way. I think that he had them playing with a lot of fire under their stomach, and I think that they will continue to do that as long as he is their manager. So don't give up on the Tigers, guys. Keep looking out for them. We'll see what they're able to do next year. Definitely not a year where we're probably going to predict them to go to the playoffs at all yet. But nope. I think I think you will see some some younger players come up next year and make some noise for Detroit. So we'll see if they're able to do that. But um, we'll move on to a, a quick little preview here of the playoffs. Um, MLB playoffs this year. Just getting started. We'll, we'll get more in depth um, with the the championship series and everything else. But just give some quick predictions. Obviously, the wild card games finished up last night. Um, the Cubs and Rockies will play each other in the NL, and the Yankees and Athletics will play each other in the American League. Um, between those two games, who do you got? Who do you got winning in those? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the Yankees. I like the poise that they've had this season, kind of, you know, really, really turning things, uh, turning things around. Yeah, I, I just, I like what they bring to the table. You know, I think their, I think their pitching staff is helpful, and, and you know, then some of the big headers that they have. You know, I think 
having guys like that can really carry you, you know, a ways. I don't think they get, I don't think they get past, you know, Boston, the ALDS. Don't, don't get me wrong. That Boston team is darn good. I mean, Who you put, it? yeah, you put, you, I mean, you put Mookie Betts in there and you put JD Martinez together and, I mean, you just look at their stat their lines alone, team, and you kind of your eyebrows just really raise, like because that that's impressive. Um, There's so much fun to watch. But you want to you want to go, you, go uh, you know, National League wild card. You know, looking at the Cubs and the Rockies, I think that's a, an interesting, interesting group. I think you know Nolan Arenado's had a had a really great year this year, and he's really proved himself um, as as a serious serious go to. I mean, yes, he's always been um, a really good player, but you know, this year kind of putting on the backpack a little bit more. And I think that's been that's been great for Colorado, but the Cubs they just have too much star power, man. Like too much talent, too much star power. That they, they just have too much going for them. Um, and and I I think the Cubs get by Milwaukee as well. I think what that I mean that that whole you know side of the National League was just so close at the end of the regular season. I mean I, yeah, I think anybody over there can can really win it. But as far as the the top half goes. Um, you know, you look at at the Braves playing against the Los Angeles Dodgers. What do you what do you think there? I want to hear your thoughts on that one. Well, Yasiel Puig said that they're going all the way to the World Series this year, and they're beating yeah, everybody. Yeah, Yasiel so. Puig is going to say that every so, year. So I mean, then I then I I must be able to pick the Dodgers. No, I I'd pick the Dodgers. I mean, the Braves are, they're the coolest story in baseball, man. Well, I mean, yeah, the from fact where that they're they able from, to come back and that's, I know that's another example though, Evan, that we've talked about in the past. The MLB and what people need to realize is you know with this whole thing of you know, rebuilding and how it's, oh my gosh, the Tigers are never going to get back to anything. It's going to take five years. Look at what the Braves did. You know That's- what, Andy? You know what, though? Look what the Braves did, but also look at what the Indians did. Look at what yeah. the Astros did. Look at, look at what the A's are doing right now. What, what yeah, is this A's, team? They're, they, they're, they're another story. They're definitely they the one that's right up there with them. So. Look at what the Cubs have done. Yeah. I mean, come on. It happens. It's just up. a rotating cycle. It's a rotating cycle. So that's why people need to you know realize that it can happen quicker in today's major leagues. But anyways. But, well, well, no. I mean, like looking at – I mean, just looking at that game for a second. like That's serious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller in there. I mean, it's the Dodgers. Jock, you, you know, Cody out you there can't in not center. Pick the Yassi, like every, there's every just too year, many guys. Every year with this team, you can't not pick the Dodgers. The problem mm-hmm. is they always seem to choke. They always seem to find a way to never actually get as far as they're supposed to go. They're going to be the Braves, though. They're not going to lose the Braves. They're definitely going to give themselves a chance to play in the next series. Um, as far as the rest of that bracket goes. This is a tough game for me because I like both these teams. I like the Rockies a lot, and I like the Cubs. But the Cubs are kind of playing down right now. You know, they lost that game, which is a little bit disappointing. I was in that that one game playoff with the Brewers the other day, and I'm gonna take the Rockies. I think the Rockies are gonna make it, but then I I will pick the Brewers to win after that. I think the Brewers are a really good team this year. Showed up and playing some better baseball. Um, and as far as the AL wild card goes, it's it's hard again because the A's are just one of those teams that surprised you. You never know what team's gonna be the. 2006 Detroit Tigers or the you know the Royals a couple of years ago whatever it is, um, but I still think the Yankees are going to win that. You know how can you pick against Boston? I mean Boston's been the best team in baseball, but when it comes to New York and Boston, this is the one rivalry that really just it sells me. I mean I, I, you can talk about Michigan Ohio State, but it's a one sided rivalry. Yeah. You can talk about North Carolina and Duke, but every year those two teams are good. It's always going to be a good team or a good game. With this series, it doesn't matter in the past where one team is or where the other one is. If they play each other, either team has a chance to win. I'm still going to take Boston. I'm just saying New York will make this series interesting, and this is easily one of those historic series that you can see people looking at back in years and saying, wow, the Yankees took down that Red Sox team, and that's why the rivalry is so special. Um, It it is different, though. 
It's a different it's just feel. A different vibe. It it's, is. It's yeah. my favorite. I mean, seriously, I like. I, you know, I've I grew up like in Michigan and everything else. I'd still take Boston, New York over any day of the week for a rivalry. And you know, any Michigan fan would probably kill me for saying that, but that's just <laughs> that's just the way that I feel about it. I I, I think, I, and I've always loved baseball. But that rivalry truly has just that feel of one team just isn't going to beat the other one. So, like watching that. And then Houston and Cleveland. Cleveland's not all they're talked up to be. They played in an easy division. I'm definitely taking Houston to win that uh, series. They've been a good team, and that is going to set up an epic series in that ALCS. Everybody wants to see it. It needs to happen. Boston and Houston. Got J.D. Martinez and Justin Verlander leading those teams. Some ex-Tigers. Awesome to hear it, right? You know, they're not on the yeah. Tigers team. Well, so. <laughs> it's still good to see those guys go against no, each other. I think that's, I'm, that's, I'm, a, I'm series, that's a series them, you want, though. Yeah. That's a series you want. And I think, I mean, what, what series do you want in the NLCS? I mean, tell me tell me, you really want the Milwaukee Brewers. You I don't. don't. I, don't, I guess, I, I, guess want, I don't. You want Dodgers-Cubs, don't you? I mean, yeah, it'd be good. Let's be I, honest. I guess, I guess when I look at that side, it's a little bit more open for me. Just as like a, a personal fan of baseball, I don't really have a preference um I wouldn't mind seeing the Cubs go back because they were bad for so long that you know they had the one good year but now they've kind of just been there you know as the yeah. Colin Logsdon probably wouldn't agree with me but I <laughs> overall I, I have to say be honest with it and it's it's just kind of where they've, they've just been floating around yeah I definitely would like to see the Cubs and Dodgers I think that'd be the best series to see the best matchup even though the Cubs are a wild card team they still just have so much of that team that you remember from a couple of years ago in the playoffs with guys like Rizzo um and stuff like that so and you know Bryant so they're a team that you want to see make it? I would definitely say Dodgers and Cubs, but we'll get more into those series moving forward. Um, we'll finish up the podcast now with our studs and duds. Evan, you want to start me off with your stud? Yeah, so my stud this week, uh, you know, kind of looking at a, a couple different options, but and I know they are play, playing Baylor, so don't don't jump the gun too soon. <laughs> but it's got to be Oklahoma quarterback uh, Kyler Murray. Man, I mean, this guy is just proving it week after week that he is. He is the best of the best, and he completed 17 of 21 passes for you know six touchdowns, and he also had a rushing touchdown. So he had seven total touchdowns in that 66 to 33 win over Baylor. He's got to be my stud. I mean, who else can you really pick? I know you probably have something good up your sleeve, but still, seven <laughs> touchdowns. Come on, that's tough to beat for sure. Um, no, he's, he's been great. Um, but this is another guy that's been great, and it's it's Patrick Mahomes, man. I mean, if you're watching the NFL and you, and you haven't like paid attention enough yet. For one, Andy Reid deserves a heck of a lot of credit because, yeah, sure, Alex Smith is called the rubber arm. He's the guy that can't throw downfield, whatever else. But he was still a good quarterback. He was suitable for a good team. He made them work, and he they'd had a good year last year, a pretty good year. They knew Patrick Mahomes was going to be good, and he has taken off. I mean, this guy has been phenomenal. Um, 14 touchdowns, man. 14 touchdowns, and he only has one interception. And last, or, you know, last night, Monday night, we're recording this on Tuesday, um, you know, he – Played against the Broncos at the Broncos. If you looked at that stadium, I actually had a friend who was there. That place was packed to the brim. I mean, all the way to the top. It was loud all night. It definitely affected him throughout the game. But this is the kind of game where you'd see these kind of quarterbacks fold, you know, when they're really getting their first real season. They wouldn't play that good. Mm-hmm. Instead, he brings them back on two straight drives, get them down the field to score a touchdown. Kareem Hunt scores the game-winning touchdown. You know, some action for you. But either way, 304 yards, a touchdown. I mean, the guy had a 62% completion percentage. He was Good again. I mean, against a good Denver defense in a place where they're tough to beat in mile high. I mean, that's phenomenal. I, I can't say enough about Patrick Mahomes. That guy's been great. Evan, can you give me your dud? Yeah, so my dud, we we kind of talked about them actually a little bit. Um, not not too much, but man, Nebraska. <laughs> 
I mean, I know I mentioned a couple of times when we were looking at Michigan <laughs> have, State and you know talking about who they had coming up. I mentioned that Nebraska's going to be a cakewalk, but dude, they are really bad. Like mm-hmm. they are really bad. I mean, fir- first game against Akron gets canceled, and then you know it's four straight losses against. Colorado, Troy, Michigan, and Purdue. I mean, you lose to Purdue, you know you have Barf. something going on. <laughs> you lose to Troy, you have something going on, and, and you lose to Colorado, there's there's some issues. Yeah. So, I mean, you got number 16, Wisconsin, coming up um, You know, this upcoming Saturday. And then you have Northwestern. I guess Minnesota's a game that maybe you might be able to win. <laughs> the fighting but, PJs. But, no, I mean, basically you're looking at, uh, you know, an 0-7 start before you play a team that you might be actually be able to beat. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but the the Bethune-Cookman Wildcats. I don't know where they're from. <laughs> I don't know what that team is. Wish I went there, just for the name. Andy, I don't know where they are from. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, it doesn't probably tell me the state, because that actually would probably change my decision a lot, but that's rough. Like I, I don't even know where they're from, and so yeah, you play that team, and they're in the, you know, they're in the 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 MEAC, the MEAC conference. What if they lose? Um, I mean, if they lose that game, that's gonna be rough. <laughs> like like that, I don't I don't even know what you're gonna say. They're from from Daytona Beach, Florida. That's that's where <laughs> Daytona. I went Daytona there on spring Beach, break. I had a pretty good year there. Uh, you, didn't, that, you, didn't, you didn't accidentally stumble into. Uh, Beth Wayne Cookman University. No, I accidentally stumbled into a few things, but I definitely, I definitely didn't uh, accidentally stumble into any any colleges. That's for huh. sure. That that was probably my furthest week away from college in my life. They only they only have three thousand six hundred and sixty six kids in their school. <laughs> Unbelievable! How do they even schedule that? Why do they schedule that? How do they even have a football team? I don't understand, man. Everybody must go there to play football, but nevertheless, that's that's a good dud. I, I like that Nebraska and, and picking out that team. That should be. A scheduling dud right there. No doubt. I'm dumbfounded. <laughs> Next. Uh, something that left me dumbfounded was Saturday night, uh, Penn State. Like, white out, crowds into it, everybody's pumped up, and they had Ohio State. They had them beat, and they blew it. I mean, they're up 26-14 to 14 the fourth quarter, midway through it, and, I mean, credit to Haskins, credit to, as much as I hate saying it because I don't like him as a person, Urban Meyer. Um Phenomenal comeback win for them, but really, really bad loss for Penn State. If they want to get to the college football playoff, that's the game they had to win. Um, they had it, had everything in front of them, and instead they lost it. And Ohio State is definitely riding high after getting that comeback win on the road in a hostile environment. But that'll do it for us on Sportsmanlike Conduct. Make sure you guys uh, follow us on Twitter at CM Life. You can uh, follow Evan Petzold. Evan, what's your, uh, what's your at? Just my name, baby. Nice and easy. At Evan Petzold, E V A N P E T. Z-O-L-D. For sure. Mine's not quite as easy. It is at Andy underscore McDonald 23. If you guys want to give me a follow, give him a follow. Make sure you do it. You can also find these podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud. So thanks for listening this week, guys. We'll talk at you next time. I was just so far from here. Focused on my own way. With a never looking back.